Warning, the following podcast contains trades involving Market Smart and may trigger you if you are a member of Celtics Twitter. Listen with caution. Welcome to another episode of the Celtics Noise Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Manakis, and we are joined, as always, by my best friend, the chicken wing king, the Brazilian burp, sweet feet, Will Weir. Welcome to the show. What up, what up, what up? How's it going, my guy? It's going, man. It's going. As we were kind of talking right before uh, we hit record on the pod, you know, I got the new whip. Uh, I went to went to Howdy Honda yesterday, so I'm driving around in a 2020 Honda CRV EX. Uh, so I definitely feel feel like I'm driving in style. I was a Civic man from 2012 until yesterday, so it feels nice to be driving around in an SUV. So I feel like this is a a pretty perfect representation of you and I's friendship. <laughs> you and I both have very similar ways that we shop. It's unprepared, minimal research, (laughs) and it gets done fairly quickly. So my car, which I got a year ago in September, so a little over over a year ago at this point, both you and our other roommate at the time, our guy Ted, shout out to Ted, both had gotten Hondas in the last couple of years or so, and I really liked both of your cars. So I decided I was going to change over. I had a Dodge Avenger. Shit was breaking down all the time. Just needed too much work. It was old, but it was paid off. So I was like, all right. Time to upgrade, going to make a change. And what do I do? Of course, two people who I know already are satisfied. Let me go to that same place. Go there one day, couple hours, walk out the door with a Honda CRV. Fast forward a year later, your shopping process, I imagine I could probably predict it step by step. And you walk <laughs> out the door at the same car. Thankfully, I think it's a different, you're a different color, I think, right? Yeah, I went black, black on black. Okay, okay. I went with the white whip. I kept it, I had to, I'm glad we have a little bit of difference in our personalities. That's crazy, man. So yesterday when, when we uh, met up at Bussy Boot Camp, um, I, was, I was saying I didn't want to get a RAV4 because I didn't want to be on your corner, right? Because you had that RAV4 up there at high school. And then I end up on your CRV corner not knowing, I dude, I thought you had a Toyota Highlander or something. Dude, you're on my doorstep. You're not even in the block. You're on my doorstep, dude. I, I, and that's the thing. It's the process of it all started from I wanted to go to a place that like I didn't have to think about it, and I knew I had friends that were like Honda. It's been going great for me. I love the service. Yep. Uh, I know you and Ted have hyped up the uh, the coffee bar there while you wait. Big Us. fan. So I was like, it sounds like a a cut and dry deal to me because I wanted to go back to a RAV4. I told you this yesterday, but the pricing was a little higher and also the dealership was further away, which should not have factored into my decision, but entirely did just based off my laziness. And that's how I ended up with a Honda (laughs) CRV. Did you buy it? Did you lease? I leased it. I leased it. Same, same. What what was your thought process for leasing it? Because like for me in the past, like I leased just because somebody at some point told me it was a smart thing to do and my credit score is great they told me my credit score yesterday a 790 credit score and i was just like whoa let's go baby like i I had no idea my credit score is that high although i'm 31 as danielle found out yesterday i am not very i am not an adult by any (laughs) means like she as we were going to the dealership she's like oh well we don't have to clean out your car because there's no way you're leaving the dealership today with a car and i was like oh yeah yeah of course of course we're not we're not leaving the dealership today with a car and then like two hours later they give us some honda bags and we're like cleaning out my entire car moving it into the new whip (laughs) yeah that's almost the exact process i had that i went in and they actually told me like if you, if there's stuff in there that you don't want, you could just leave it. (laughs) So I did. So I just took out the handful of stuff I wanted. Um, But honestly, you asked me at the beginning, why did I lease over buying? So I bought my used car when we first moved to Austin when I was 23 or whatever. And I, I ended up leasing this time because everything was taken care of by the dealership and the warranty. So it was another choice purely based off being lazy. And, you know, I was thinking as, as I'm getting sold this car yesterday right i'm like man i'd really like to have someone that's in sales here with me just like telling me like when this dude is just 100 bullshitting me or not because i'm just sitting there like yeah man sounds really good sounds really good thank you like where do i sign like you know what i mean i'm just like the biggest sucker for any sales technique 
And uh, by the end of it, the one thing though, he was trying to sell me, he was trying to sell me the Honda Passport, which I asked to look at just because it's kind of a cooler look. And um, and he he was just like trying to really push the passport on me, really push the passport on me. And if Danielle hadn't been there, I probably would have caved and gotten the passport. But I, when I was test driving it, I just really wasn't feeling it. <laughs> so there was at least one thing you put your foot down. And, you know, it's funny you say you wish you had a salesperson there. I'm as much as I've been in sales my entire professional life. I'm terrible with other salesmen. I only and I know that I'm bad at it with them. I don't like, it's, it's what I do all day. So I don't like dealing with it in my off time. So for something like this, I just go in with a plan where I'm like, I know what I want. And it's and like, once again, it's based off of very, very minimal research. Yeah. I did about like, 30 minutes of research and like yeah, 15 of those, need. 15 of those minutes were like in between when, when the salesman at the dealership walked away to go take care of something. I'm just like yeah. on the internet, like furiously scrolling through the scrolling through like compare comparisons on different cars. And Danielle's like, just trying to have a normal conversation with me. And I'm just like, uh, hold on a second. I'm doing my last minute research here. Shopping for car, shopping for clothes, know what I want, know what I need. I can go in, I get in, I get out and I'm done. I don't want to deal with people. I just know what I want give it to me and I'm out. I'm the easiest sale anybody could ever have. Same man. Same. And my, my thought process for the lease though, I actually had a, a legitimate reason for leasing this time though, was because like at some point in the next year or two, I want to at least think about, um, you know, trying to buy a house. So I want more, I want more cash to go into that. So I didn't want to buy a car right now and have higher payments or put any money down. Um, so I want to just make sure that I have money in case I do go, go into purchasing property, you know, even though I'm not prepared for that at all. <laughs> <laughs> I know after we just talked about our buying process, I'm not sure the transition is into buying a house with the way that you and I go about making our purchases. But uh, regardless, you ready to transition to some basketball? We got some yeah. news. We coming back. Basketball is officially has a start date and is coming back. That's crazy, man. I'm, I'm so excited that it's starting before Christmas. I was kind of getting myself ready for the Martin Luther King Day start or, um, you know, maybe maybe more towards March. But December 22nd sounds pretty good to me, man. I, I just feel bad for the teams that just finished up the season. They got to go into training camps on December 1st. If I'm the Lakers, like I'm telling LeBron, I'm like, hey, man, just like chill, chill until at least February, you know, we'll, we'll handle it. We just got to make sure you're playing every once in a while. So we don't like end up out of the playoffs. But if, if I'm LeBron, I'm taking it easy. Yeah. And, and just real quick, just for those listening, just to hit those dates that, that we do have so far, looks like the start date's going to be December 22nd training camps open December 1st. We're recording this on the 8th of November. So we're about three weeks out. The draft's <laughs> coming up on Wednesday, November 18th. They still don't, at least as of the recording of this podcast, we don't even know when free agency starts. I imagine it could be in the next week or two. So things are going to move real quick. And like you said, I know LeBron and Danny Green was on uh, the NBA Ringer show at one point talking about how you know, LeBron is already saying he's going to sit out a bunch of games, which makes sense. But then there's also the flip side where Miami and Los Angeles just finished, you know, barely over a month ago, not even a month ago, really. They finished their season, Celtics and Nuggets not too far behind. But then you have this other stretch of the NBA that's been off since the middle of August. And then mm -hmm. the other portion of those eight teams that never even went down to the bubble. And they've been off since the middle of March. So they've had the longest offseason season. Yeah. of you know of almost anyone in NBA history then you have those teams in the middle that had a mini pandemic offseason then came back to the bubble and then now have had another offseason so I think it's going to be really interesting to see players approaches to it um, I think obviously King James is going to be the the most notable one and I would expect to see him taking uh, a bunch of time off and then it's interesting to see how Anthony Davis has to handle the whole load for the Lakers and, and what they do in this condensed offseason yeah, that's a great point. And as, as you were talking, I was just kind of thinking, you know, we normally between the uh, the end of the season and the beginning of the next season, players have all that time to put in work and you you end up seeing those those players that make a jump. And for guys that are on the Celtics, you know, as a Celtic-centric podcast, I just don't know there was enough time in between the end of the season and the start of this new season for anyone to really develop anything new to have in their bag. You know what I mean? Like, are no one's even going to really be able to put on any muscle in that time, you know, and improve their body. So 
I, I would imagine that whatever we saw at the end of the season is the player that we're going to see at the beginning of the season for the Celtics. Yeah, it's going to be growth during the year. And it's, it's interesting you you talk about like having that offseason to grow, uh, you know, thinking to the Miami Heat and looking at someone like Tyler Hero. He's someone that looked very different from the end of part one of the NBA season yeah. to the bubble where all of a sudden he became a guy that was in the Eastern Conference finals that was ultimately one of the biggest difference makers in taking a team to the NBA finals. And so it's going to be interesting in this condensed time, what can Grant Williams do? He looked, mm -hmm. you know, he looked like he had developed a more consistent jump shots and more confidence in it. He was actually able to stretch that. Is he going to be able to do that with maybe getting larger minutes? Did Carson Edwards be able to develop <laughs> anything else in his game? I mean, some of the question marks with the back end of that Celtics roster, that's so young and needs that time. That's valuable time. Yeah. Romeo got hurt. Once again, we don't, you know, we don't really know where he's at to rely on, but uh, it's going to be interesting to see if there is any difference or I think most likely what you like how you put it, what we saw in the bubble, especially from a Celtics perspective, it's going to be very similar. If, if we run it back with that team, that team should look very similar to what we last saw. Yeah. And I don't know what, how, uh, you know, how the Celtics are going to fare if that's the case. Does that bode well for this Celtics team? If, if what we saw in the bubble is what we're going to get in this next season, because, you know, with all the new developments in the Eastern Conference, with Maury going to Philly, D'Antoni and uh, Steve Nash going to the Nets, I just don't know that the Celtics currently have enough to be a top three team in the East. What do you think? Yeah, yeah let's, um, you know, it's, it, it's one of those, there's so many unknown factors that are coming into this. And I think the East is, is a really unique position because the bottom of it is just absolute dog shit. Like the very bottom of the East is, is yeah. especially when you compare to the depth of the West, where even the worst teams like the Timberwolves have the number one pick and they potentially they both have they have two guys on their team plus the number one pick. They were already all stars. And that's the worst team in the Western Conference. Pretty mm -hmm. much. There may be yeah. one team that I'm missing. But then when you look at the Eastern Conference, and you ask the Celtics, a top three team, they have the potential to be. But, you know, the Nets are getting Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving back. What is Durant going to look like? They also have some moves to make around them, as we may touch on, uh, as we get into our fake trades here in a little bit. Uh, Maury to Philly, I think, is a really interesting move. And it might be a more long-term interesting move. Mm -hmm. um, and I think especially where Maury's so analytically driven and you put him in a place where Philly, where that's an analytical mess, just giving the way yeah. that the, the dynamics of their teams. So he's clearly, I think, at some point going to make changes, but it's whether is this too short of a time frame with the season starting up here in the next seven weeks for him to make a big decision? Cause let me ask you, do you think Embiid and Simmons, would you want to, if you had to, would you rather move forward with both of them and find a way to make it work around that? Or would you want to pick one of the two and then build from there? Well, it's, it, it's interesting with, with Maury, right? He's analytically driven, but I don't think that he's like married to a style of play. You know, I, th I think what he's going to try to do is, is build the, the best, the most analytically sound team around the stars that he has, you know? So with Simmons and Embiid, I'm a little bit concerned if I'm, if I'm him about their, the fact that they're both injury prone. You know, so if you sell off one of them, you're stuck with the other one. And like, maybe that, that player gets hurt. Whereas if you keep both of them, then you understand, you know, that one, at least you're increasing your odds of wanting them, one of them being healthy throughout the length of their contract, you know, but on the, on the other end, if, if you hang on to both of them and one of them gets hurt, then their trade value plummets. Right. So that's a really difficult decision to make. I personally would get rid of Embiid. I think Simmons is the guy to build around. Um, Embiid, he, he just doesn't seem like he has that dog in him, whereas Simmons, I think he does. Embiid is just like, every time I watch him, he looks fatter and slower. You know <laughs> what I mean? So uh, it, the league is just not moving towards Joel Embiid's style of play. And I think yeah. I think Simmons can dominate a game on both ends of the floor. Um, and if you surround Simmons with shooters – then I, I think that he can do a lot of damage just being the lead ball handler, or if they, you know, a lot of people have been talking about moving him into a screening position um, so that he can roll to the basket. If they, if they pair, if they trade and bead for a ball dominant guard and have Simmons, you know, take, take the spot as the, as the main screener in the screen and roll action. 
but I, I, I would, I would go with Simmons. Um, he seems like the more athletic, uh, athletically sound specimen of the two. And um, yeah, that's what I would do. How about you? I, I think Simmons is the answer as well. You know, I've, I've been thinking about this for a little bit. I don't like the fit. I just, I just, and then I think when you threw in Horford and Harrison's contract, I, you got to find a way to get creative. And I think Maury's a great, uh, a great addition for the, for that front office to be able to find a way to get creative and move off of some of these deals. But I'm with you. Simmons is the guy that I'm choosing. Uh, I think the way the NBA is going pace and space. And when I see Simmons and I look through, you know, some of the games I've watched him against the Celtics or just in some of their other national TV games, when he has the ability to control the game, it's a whole different beast. Oh, for it sure. It really is. It changes it. And he's also a top defender in the league, too. So he has that two-way presence. And, of course, I'm frustrated that he doesn't shoot a three. And I don't want to see any of these freaking, you know, off-seasons where he's sitting at lifetime fitness shooting threes. I don't give a shit. Until he does it in an actual game, it doesn't matter. And it's going to frustrate me. And I don't want it to be against the Shanghai Sharks in a preseason game where he gets a standing yeah. ovation. All of that is nonsense until he does it in a real game. Mm-hmm. But having said that, even if he does decides never to shoot threes, if he's the main one that's running that team, and like you said, you build it with, with shooters around him, I still think that that can work. And then you can use it with him utilizing the ball in his hands, or he can be that guy from the mid post to then go ahead and drop the ball off, be one of the best passing big men in the game, which he's one of the best passers in general already. And he's about six, nine, six, ten 10 um, out there. So I, I think Simmons is the answer. And I think that, I don't know how they go about getting to that point and what you can get back from Embiid. And maybe if you, you know, if you were to move Embiid, if you package that with a Harris to try and get, get off of that deal, I don't know. Philly's in a really interesting spot. And that's what makes the East so interesting is that Philly has a shit ton of talent and several moves to make. The Nets are getting KD back. Heat just won the East. Mm-hmm. The Raptors got some very tough calls to make, but they're going to be in the mix. The Bucks got the Giannis dilemma, which is going to hang over them all season. And that's going to be something that I think we talk about here when we, we get into some of these trades. We have a couple of teams that aren't real, are in a kind of a position where do they wait and see what happens with Giannis? Because, you know, we really don't know. Is it going to be safer for him to pick up a super max, which it's really weird. He has to do it before this season starts or he can't do it until the end of the season. Yeah. So there's a short time frame coming on that where you're trying to decide what that's worth. So there's really five or six teams. And then you have the Pacers who, who are also at kind of this point, this intersection where they have to decide seems like they're going to lean towards Sabonis as their main building block and move on from Turner. But then what do you make of Oladipo? So there's a lot of factors where the Celtics fit into that. I don't know, but remaining complacent seems to be the number one option they can't do and just rest on the team that we've had been to three Eastern conference finals, but you got to find a way to get over that hump. And so with that, I think that's where Coach Greg, you ready to be Danny for a day? Dude, I'm so pumped, and I can't wait to talk about the reaction on Celtics Twitter to these <laughs> trades. <laughs> let's, I, t- let's... I texted you the other day, and I was like, hey, before the pod, I'm going to put these trades on there just to see what happens. I actually thought you were going to tell me not to do it, and then you were just like, yeah, dude, go ahead. Um, and then, oh, my God, the, I, I can't wait to talk about that. We'll get there after, after the trades, but Celtics Twitter is a ridiculous place. Yeah, let's jump into this because some of the reactions that whatever our loyal listening fan base is, for those of you that are reacting to some of these trades on Twitter, we need to have a real sit down and talk about what you're seeing versus what we're seeing. Um, and we got to work some shit out. But let's yeah. let's get into <laughs> this here. And right. I'll let you take over here. Hit me with, uh, with the first trade and kind of your thought process on, on what we're getting into. All right. So... Uh, you are the New Orleans Pelicans. Give it to me. All right. So in this trade, you are getting Gordon Hayward and Marcus Smart. Okay. In return, you're giving up Drew Holiday and J.J. Redick. How you feeling? You've intrigued me. I'm definitely thinking about this trade. It's something that... I like from the perspective of the Pelicans in the sense that Marcus Smart is, and once again, Celtics fans be warned, he's a lesser version of Drew Holiday, but a cheaper <laughs> whoa, version. Whoa, I know, whoa, I know. Hot, hot take, hot take, hot take. I should, I, should, I should have worn that more. So you're getting Marcus Smart, lesser version of Drew Holiday, cheaper deal. He's younger, lines up a little bit more at the timeline. I'm intrigued yeah. 
Gordon Hayward. He's more dynamic, adds into, you know, the wings that they already have with Ingram, Hart coming off the bench. Mix that in with Zion. You got a lot of creativity going on. Uh, from a Celtics perspective, you're upgrading from Marcus. You're then getting that shooter that we keep, we've talked about here since the conference championship that we need more shooting. And I'm dying for an elite level shooter. You and I have bantered about JJ back and forth. He's obviously a little bit older here, uh, but I think there's only one, maybe one year left on his deal. So it's not something that you're over committing to, but you're getting that elite shooter. Yeah. Right now with this proposed deal, if I'm the Pelicans, what I'm asking for a draft pick. I need a draft pick to go with this as well, though. Really interesting. Why why do you think that the Pels actually need more? So I would think that the, the Pels need more. This number one, I think Drew Holiday is the best player in the deal. I think Gordon Hayward could be the best player in the deal, but he hasn't been healthy for over three years. You don't know which version of Hayward you're getting. It's this condensed offseason. And he has the option to walk away at the end of the year. Drew Holiday, you have this year plus the option that he's likely to pick up. So you have mm -hmm. at least two years to explore other deals that may present themselves. So I don't know that I'm getting more than one year out of Hayward. And I, you know, and then with that, like I said, I'm downgrading from Holiday to Smart. I'm getting rid of JJ. I would like one more piece to go into this if I'm the Pelicans. If I'm the Celtics, okay. I think I'm, I'm probably a little bit more excited to, to do this and pull the trigger. You have mm -hmm. to make sacrifices at a certain point. Love Marcus, but give me some fucking shooting. And I'm getting that defense from Holiday that Smart was giving you, uh, as yeah. well as an upgraded offensive weapon. I think for the Celtics, this is a deal that I'm good to go as. If I'm the Pelicans, I'm trying to find a way to – I, you know, I'm probably trying to get 14, but even if I get 26 or 30, uh, I think this is something that, that I would consider. Yeah, man. I, I think you, your thought process is right aligned with what I'm thinking, you know, as I was putting these deals together, I was really trying to keep it as fair for both teams as possible. You know, I didn't want it to just be lopsided towards the Celtics, even though in almost every trade, I feel like I get, I get the Celtics, the best player in the trade, um, <laughs> but Hayward, you know, if in a vacuum, I think Hayward is a better player than holiday. Um, and I think that if, if his contract wasn't up right now, um, I, I think the Pels would be, would be happy to have Hayward in, in exchange for holiday, you know? So I, I think that what he brings to that team is, is what they need. I think smart and Hayward both bring this and that's the ability to run an offense and get good shots. I know Marcus you know, he's taken some horrible shots on the Celtics, but he actually runs a pretty good pick and roll. And, you know, when, when he's asked to be the lead ball handler, he does a pretty good job with it. It's just when he's, you know, spotting up in the corner, when he gets an open three, he's going to take it. But I think with the Pels, he might actually handle the ball a, a little bit more and Hayward might handle the ball a little bit more because they, they were just a mess on offense, you know, with, with Ingram running the offense or holiday running the offense, it was just really, really ugly. And I think they just need guys that can just get them good shots and get Ingram some good shots, get Zion more involved in the offense. Um, you know, they lose the shooting with Reddick, but he wasn't playing that much for them anyway. So I think smart and Hayward also spaced the floor well for that team. Um, so I really like this trade for the Pelicans and for the Celtics, man, I have coveted Drew Holiday and JJ Redick for years. So I, I would be stoked to do this trade. Um, I don't know that this, you know, makes the Celtics the, the team to beat in the East though. And that's, that's, that's what I'm a little scared of. If we're going to trade Marcus, you know, because of what Celtics Twitter rightly pointed out is that he's the heart and soul of the team. We need to make sure that this is going to put us in a position to be the best team in the East. And I don't know that this deal by itself does that. So here's the thing. I, and I get it. He's the heart and soul. He's kind of, you know, he's a perfect Boston guy. You know, he's mm -hmm. gritty. He's the one that gets on the floor. Drew Holiday is kind of a similar type player from a defensive standpoint. And I get it. He doesn't have the Boston ties, but ultimately when you look to making these tough decisions, you know, cutting ties with somebody that, that is a, is a fan favorite is always going to be tough. Yeah. And, and this is, this is not quite the same, you know, situation, but I like to think back to the Red Sox in, in 04. Mm -hmm. Noma, Noma was our guy. Noma was the face of the Red Sox along with Pedro for that stretch from the late nineties into, into the two thousands. Like you, you can't, you can't trade Noma kid. What are you talking about? Are you fucking out of your rocker, dude? You can't trade Noma. But Hey, guess what? We traded him for fucking Orlando Cabrera, Doug Mankiewicz, and then walked away with the first title since 1918. 
I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying everyone's going to be on board with it, but there's decisions like that where it comes down, where depending on situation, and in this case, depending on the talent gap, I think this is a move that would be, in my opinion, like you said, I don't know if it quite gets us over the top, but I think this move overall makes us better. And ultimately for the Celtics, it's going to come down to the progress of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. And it's where they get to. Those are your two horses. And the fact Mm -hmm. that you have two horses that are two-way players that have the ability to be elite two-way players, that's where it's ultimately going to come down to. But if you're going to, if you can upgrade around them to help them with that progress, I think you do it. And I think this is a trade from the Celtics perspective that they should do if the Pelicans can, can get that extra security given the uncertainty mm-hmm. of Gordon Hayward, I think it works out. Otherwise, I agree with a lot of the other points you made for Hayward. It's his value due to his health and his uh, and his contract that I think makes this a question for the Pelicans. But for sure, uh, I think I, out of all the trades that you sent me, this is the one that that really intrigued me the most. The other ones I got I got some issues with. So let's 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 roll into some of the okay. other ones you got. Trade number two, and this is the one that you know I like the least. Um, but I was just trying to get get some trades together. So you, uh, this is actually a three-team deal, okay? So you're not, you're just going to look at this one objectively. So we've got the Celtics, the Nets, and the Mavs, all right? In this deal, the Boston Celtics get Seth Curry and Jared Allen. Yep. Okay? Um, The Nets get Marcus Smart and Willie Cauley-Stein. And the Mavericks get Garrett Temple and and Torian Prince, Okay. Now, I, like I said, I think this is the worst return for the Seas in terms of next year, but you know that I'm super high on Jared Allen. Um, I think that he's the type of big that could really do damage on this Celtics roster. You know, he's not much of a shooter, but he's so adept at switching on defense and, and you know, it, for, for a couple possessions, he can guard on the perimeter. Um, and he's, you know, one of the elite rim protectors in the league. So getting a young center like Jared Allen, in addition to getting a, a, another shooter that we can actually run off the of screens and um, get the defense, you know, look in misdirection. I, I think that this is a decent return. It's just like, I don't know that you can justify giving up Marcus for Seth Curry and Jared Allen um, for the Nets. I like Marcus uh, rejoining Kyrie on the Nets I, I, from their time in Boston. You know, Kyrie had that one famous quote. You know, he watches Marcus Smart's highlights in, um, in, in his downtime, right? So mm-hmm. I know Kyrie loves Marcus. Marcus loves Kyrie. So I think that would be a good pairing there in Brooklyn. And then they get another somewhat young big in Willie Cauley-Stein since they're giving up Jared Allen. And then for the Mavs, I think they need to surround Luka with some more pieces on the wing. And I actually really like Garrett Temple and Torian Prince. I think they're both uh, solid defenders. Temple's, uh, I think, one of the more underrated players. Um, so I, I, I like this deal for, for all three teams. I think if any team says no, I would say it's Boston that says no in this scenario. So we, so we disagree all around. Okay. <laughs> so I think if there's the one team that says yes, it's the Celtics. And I think the other two teams say no. So let me break it down for you. So for the Celtics, I think the way that you look at it is Marcus Smart's going out and Seth Curry and Jared Allen are coming in. In that two for one, once again, Celtics fans, I don't hate Marcus Smart. I don't want to trade Marcus Smart, but I do think that this is a trade that makes sense. You upgrade your shooting. I don't think Seth Curry's an entire liability on defense. He's not nowhere even close into the same stratosphere as Marcus Smart, but I don't think he's a complete liability. And his contract is extremely valuable at three years and just about a little over seven million, seven and a half million. Yeah, Jared Allen, I think, is an absolutely dynamic center. We both live in Austin. We got to see him here in college. Uh, I love watching Jared Allen. I think he's a perfect fit for what the Nets need. I think the Nets need to I get DeAndre is Kyrie and KD's boy. I think mm-hmm. Jared Allen is so perfect for them that if I'm the Nets, if they're if they're being smart about it, I wouldn't move Jared Allen for that just for that reason alone is because I think he fits in with Kyrie and with KD and he doesn't demand the ball. He does everything that you ask for without needing that. And he can still get you that 10, 10 and protect the rim. He can, you know, he can play that five off of KD very well. So for the nets, I think that's their main reason for saying no is I think Jared Allen's too perfect of a fit 
for okay. for what they need. I love the Marcus Smart play for them. Uh, my biggest concern would be that with Dinwiddie, Levert, Joe Harris, that's a lot of movement within that backcourt. So it depends what else they do with that. I think they're going to break some of those up. They're not going to retain all of them. So that's where it's a little murky. But I do think Marcus Smart's a great fit for that. But I don't know that I'm giving up Jared Allen right now just for the fit that they have with for what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. And then on the Mavs side, everything that, you know, we're not NBA insiders. We listen to the same podcast that everyone else here is tuning and listens to. We have the same sources, but it seems like the Mavericks are very focused on being in contention for Giannis. Okay. And so everything for me right now, especially with the, where this offseason is very weird, we don't necessarily know where the cap's going, but they have Luca. And so that's got to be super appealing for Giannis to go play with mm-hmm. combined with we're not sure about KP, but we'll get to talk about him later. For me, the biggest reason the Mavericks would say no to this deal is that if their ideal situation is to have Luca Giannis and KP Seth Curry is a perfect fit for that. And you can find other, you know, other wings. I like what you're thinking to have those other wing um, help defenders in there. But to downgrade the shooting and have uh, at least Torian Prince would still be, you know, I don't know the cap situation well enough, but everything that I feel like the Mavericks are going to do is going to set them up so that they have ideally stuff that builds around and works for it. And with Seth Curry's deal being super favorable, I don't know if they want to move off that because I don't know what this upgrade would do for the Mavericks, whereas I think Seth Curry would fit into the long-term plans of their ideal vision more than Temple and Prince would than to make that immediate move, which might make them slightly better this season when they're really looking forward to that year after. So I don't think this is a move that the the Mavericks would make. Um, The Nets, I think, are intrigued, but it depends if there's already a Dinwiddie or Harris or what's ever happened with the rest of their backcourt for them to really move forward. And the Celtics, I think, as much as you don't want to give up Marcus Smart, I think at a certain point, because in this deal, you still have Hayward. So, yeah, you, so you'd ultimately be looking at a closing line that could have Kemba, Hayward, Brown, Tatum, and Jared Allen, and then your bench is now filled with Seth Curry and Daniel Tice. That's a strong seven-man rotation that you have, and then fill it in with Grant Williams, Romeo Langford, you know, depending on what they give you and what happens with the draft. That's a hell yeah. of a place to start. And I know you don't want to give up Marcus, but putting in those two big time rotation players. I think it strengthens the starting five and the closing five. And I think it strengthens the bench all at the same time. My man, I just want to give you a standing ovation. You convinced me, bro. That was, that was well said, my friend. Well said, but I I think if, yeah, if if I'm the Celtics, um, you know, if I, if I'm actually running the Celtics, I'm doing this deal because I love Jared Allen, you know? Um, And I, I, I think Marcus adds a lot to the team. You know, I love Marcus like everybody else loves Marcus. But we, as you saw in the playoffs, we were too small. We were just too small. And Jared Allen's a perfect big man to contend right now in the East and moving forward. I think I think he's going to be um, a generational defensive talent. I really, really like Jared yeah, Allen. Yeah, and as much as we love Tice, and I, I, like I said, that's another big part of this for me, is Tice now becomes your center off the bench. I, I'm a huge Tice fan. If you're getting value from a $5 million player as Tice coming off the bench, that's amazing. But when we look at a lot of the teams, I mean, Tatum's bigger is, is realistically just from a height perspective. I think he's the same size or bigger than Tice. This gives you a true big man that's back there uh, that gives you a stronger, you know, stronger protection of the rim just with his height and versatility. Um, and I think it makes the Celtics more dynamic. So I, I think I'm, we're on the same page. If the Celtics are doing this deal, the Nets and Mavericks have some reservations, but I like this. Tra- I like the, the structure of this trade. I think it's something that, brings a lot to the table for everybody and at least makes them think. And it really just depends on the vision and other moves for the Nets and Mavericks of whether this is going to be something that's enticing. Okay. Well, I'm going to bring the, I'm going to bring the Mavs back into the picture later on. So keep them in mind. Trade number three. I think trade number three was the, was the least like trade on Twitter. Um, (laughs) I got to go look at the, uh, at the poll, but if you, you are the Utah Jazz. Let's do it. All right. You're getting Marcus Smart, uh, Sex Pants Vinny, and Semi. And you're giving me uh, one of the Bogdanoviches. 
<laughs> I get them mixed up all the time. I don't know. I, I know exactly it's, what you're going for. It's it's the the small forward, power forward, not the shooting guard, small forward. I, I they they gotcha. have the, basically the same name. I think it's I think this one is Bohan. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So you're getting you're giving us Bohan Bogdanovich. Um, okay. So I've always liked Bogdanovich. I like both Bogdanoviches. Um, but you know, I, I in this scenario. I think that there is another move the Celtics make, whether, whether well, this is Hayward insurance, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I think if Hayward leaves, whether we trade him or if he just walks, then Bogdanovich is a great replacement for Hayward. And he, he's an underrated defender. I, I've always liked the way that he defends the bigger wings in the league, going back to that series uh, against LeBron a couple of years ago when he was on the Pacers. Um, so I, I, I like this trade for the Celtics. I'm doing this trade. I, I think it upgrades our talent pool, which is what I'm, I'm always trying to do. And Utah gets um, a few guys that are more on the Donovan Mitchell timeline. So I, I think that they have to at least consider that. All right. Here's where I'm at. Celtics, I'm doing this deal. No doubt about it. This is pretty much a reworked version of one that I brought up to you, which was a Marcus Smart for, for Joe Engels, which was vehemently shut down as, <laughs> as, as, as it rightfully should have been. And this was the initial deal that I had thought about, but I don't think this is enough for the Jazz. So I'm saying no to this if I'm the Jazz. Mm-hmm. If you're willing to throw in 14 and I can change Poirier and Semi to either Rob Williams or Grant Williams, then I think the Jazz have uh, a little bit more more to think about here. For me, Poirier, and, and I don't know Poirier well enough as, as the prospects of what people think he can be in the future, but he doesn't really do much for me at this point. Uh, Semi, the Ojale factory, I don't know what you're what you're getting out of him at this point. I think he's at this point a castaway. If, if he couldn't get playing time, valuable, meaningful playing time on a Celtics team that definitely desperately needed more depth as we as we saw in the playoffs. I don't really know how much he's going to bring to you in that in that tight Western conference. So neither of those guys are really doing much for me as the Jazz. I'm looking at this from the way it's currently set up as Smart versus Bogdanovich, and Bogdanovich is the better player in this trade. And so yeah. if smart's the main part I'm getting back, I need a pick or I need one of the Williams brothers, uh, which would then provide me with insurance in case whatever happens with Gobert. If it's, if it's Rob Williams, maybe he's a cheaper center that I can put in there to continue my defense, uh, the backline defense that I have, or Grant Williams, somebody that provides me more versatility when we can't play Gobert and we need to go small. Um, then I think you have something because Mike Connolly's, I think in the last year of his contract. So between Mitchell, smart, and Conley, that's a pretty versatile backcourt that I would love to have. Very guard heavy in the Western Conference at that top end. Clay and Steph coming back, Harden, Westbrook, other teams out there that you're going to have to deal with that have dynamic backcourts. So I think you're going to need players like Marcus. And like you said, he kind of lines up with that Mitchell timeline. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like the fit with Marcus. I'm not getting enough in this. And on the Celtic side, Bogdanovich, we talked about wanting to get more shooting. He's in about a 41% three-point shooter. He's And this dude has some fucking cojones. Dude does not – he's all about taking the big shot. He's made big shots internationally. He's made big shots in the NBA. Uh, we saw that when he was playing with the Wizards against the Celtics. He was a guy that I didn't really know much about until that point, mm-hmm. and he scared the shit out of me when we played them. He was yeah. almost someone who I was more worried about than Beal at that point. Um you know, obviously that wouldn't be the case now. Beal's the better player. But during yeah. that series, Bogdanovich was just someone who clearly wasn't afraid. And you're right. His deal right now, three years, 17 million is great Gordon Hayward insurance. And then depending on how the season goes, may give you the ability to then do a two for one type of deal with Hayward later on in the season, assuming Hayward picks up that uh, that option and will be on the team. So I think it gives you more versatility for the Celtics. I would do this trade. Once again, don't hate Marcus Smart. I feel like I have to say that. But Bogdanovich is clearly the better player. And some and a lot of times in the NBA, talent will trump, you know, the affinity that you may have for a player. And Smart does a lot of things very well, but you have to make sacrifices at certain points to get over the top. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, would you do the deal even if Hayward were on the team? I'm trying to think like how this lineup would work of Kemba. Hayward, Bogdanovich, Jalen, and Tatum. You know, like, that's a very switchable lineup. Like, I would almost, in that scenario, want to, like, bench Kemba. (laughs) 
you know? Yeah, it's it's an interesting fit. And that's then that's the part where, you know, him and Hayward, it's Hayward insurance, but him and Hayward are a little bit repetitive at the same time yeah. within that lineup. So it, it it's tricky because that's that's like the the best five lineup that we talked about during the playoffs. Mm-hmm. That would I ultimately be it, but how much could you really go with that? You know, Tatum's your your backline defense that you're going yeah. with. So you, I don't think you can go with that for too long. Um, and there's nobody really in that lineup that takes charges really well. You know, that that's another part of your backline defense where like, you know, we look at the Raptors, they didn't have like a ton of rim protection, but Lowry was just like standing under the basket, just hiding. And then all of a sudden he'd come over and he would make the people that were driving to the basket think. And I think yeah. that that's what backline rim protection is all about. It's just making the people driving to the basket like look for you and think about you just so there's that slight hesitation. Um, so with that lineup, I don't, I just don't know if that would work with Hayward on the team. So in my opinion, I think if we were to do this deal, um, we would need to move Hayward off for another piece. Yeah. It's a, it, it would be one of those things where it's not a great fit, but you're trading for the talent that's coming in. And then the versatility that allows you to then go make other moves. Cause I think you're right. I think if this trade were to become a reality it's then setting up another move that's that's coming yeah. shortly after i mean i i could see you know if we're if we're talking three team deal i could see hayward going to indiana um the celtics for getting miles turner and then like maybe also uh lamb or warren to make the contracts work um but uh, that that's that's neither here nor there because we're going to bring in the Pacers right now. And I was going to say, you just yeah. set yourself up for a transition. So let's, <laughs> let's keep it rolling here. Cause we got, we got a couple different options that I know are coming up with this. Uh, by the way, man, I appreciate how uh, Bill Simmons esque you got with the trade machine in here. You got very creative and took some chances with these next couple of ones. So I'm excited to hear your, uh, your presentation on them. Okay. So trade number four, this one, I think I'm just going to preface this and say the Pacers say no. I'm going to okay. go P- Pacers say no. So okay. uh, Boston Celtics receive Malcolm Brogdon and Miles Turner from the Indiana Pacers and our guy Seth Curry from the Mavericks. The Indiana Pacers receive Gordon Hayward, Tim Hardaway Jr. and Marcus Smart. The Dallas Mavericks receive Victor Oladipo. In addition, in this trade, I would say that um, each team, the Mavs and Pacers, need a pick. So I think the Mavs get our 26th pick and the Pacers get our 14th pick to make this work because the Pacers are giving up Brogdon, Turner, and Oladipo. I know Oladipo's already being rumored on the way out. They just signed Brogdon, and Turner's a nice piece. So they're giving up a lot in this deal. And in return... I, I just don't know that a team of Marcus Smart, Tim Hardaway Jr., Gordon Hayward, and, and Sabonis is getting you anywhere in the East. So I don't know that – I just don't know if, I, if the Pacers do this deal. Even though their current team, as I talked with um, my buddy Brett, Brett Hazard, who's from Indianapolis, he was like, oh, I love this trade because you're blowing up the Pacers and we need to get blown up today. So a Pacers fan, from a Pacers fan perspective, he liked this deal. Okay, so maybe they're a little bit more restless than than I would assume, um, but I'm with you. I, I don't think the Pacers do this deal. I think the Pacers probably need all three picks that, I, that we have in the first round. Um, I'm not a fan of this deal for the Pacers. Um, from a Celtics perspective, so when you put these trades out on Twitter, this was the one that I think everyone reluctantly chose. Yeah, which, which is ridiculous. Is, yes, that is mind-blowing. If I'm the Celtics, get me the papers, fax them over, email them over, send them over right now, take whatever picks you want. The Celtics would do this trade in a heartbeat, and it's not even close to Dude, something I think, you have to think about. I think the Celtics win the championship if, the, if our team is, is Kemba, Brogdon, Jays, and Turner. Like That is a hell of a team. This right here, exactly. This is the championship trade for the Celtics. And it's not even close. This is why I don't want to spend too much time on it. Cause I think if you just look at this right now, you have Smart and Hayward going out. Some of the things that we need right now are bigs and shooting. Miles Turner coming in. He's a more dynamic big, I'll say, than than what Daniel Tice is. We already talked about him briefly a couple podcasts ago, where if you put Miles Turner in the middle of the zone that the Heat were running, he's a much more um 
you know, a much more willing shooter, obviously, maybe mm-hmm. to a fault at times, but he's going to be a guy that's not afraid to take that mid-range jumper in the middle of that zone or go to the corner and be able to take those shots. Maybe we win that series. Miles Turner would be a great fit. And then once again, in this deal, there's no Tice going out. Tice then becomes your center off the bench. Miles Turner is a great rim protector, averaged four blocks a game this past playoffs. Brogdon, Celtics fans. Let's just fucking think about this for a second. Malcolm Brogdon is fucking legit, dude. Once again, he's, he's an so upgrade good. over Marcus Smart. He's an upgrade over Marcus Smart. I'm pounding the table right now. I know everyone loves Marcus Smart. Brogdon is better offensively so in much every capacity. In every capacity than Marcus Smart and is not that far behind in the defensive end. He's a very good defensive player and a smart defensive player. Yeah. He is he is an overall upgrade. I think Brogdon was he's a borderline all-star. He was almost in that Jalen Brown category during yeah. the all-star selections last year where you know, they wanted to maybe get another guy from the Pacers. Sabonis was the one that ended up making it, but it very well could have been Brogdon. And he's a big reason that Giannis might be on his way out of Milwaukee. That's how big of a deal it was for them choosing Bledsoe over Brogdon. That was Brogdon, a fun- I have oh such God. a man. So Malcolm Brogdon was one of those plays I have a huge man crush on. And the, uh, the but, time- but let me let me stop you real quick. Yeah. The only reason Brogdon, like, ha- wasn't drafted as high as he should have been and, like, people were a little bit worried about him is because he has like this weird foot injury. Right. But, and that was his only concern was Malcolm Brogdon maybe has like this, this uh, deteriorating foot condition or something Mm -hmm. like that. Right. So like Malcolm Brogdon is a really, really, really good player. And I think that any team would love to have a perfectly healthy Malcolm Brogdon. He, that, I mean, he was a 50, 40, 90 guy. Mm -hmm. Three years, 20 million. I'm taking that all day. Um, We've talked about Seth Curry going back to the trade here. All of that makes sense. You're upgrading your bench. You're upgrading your rim protection. You're upgrading your shooting. This is a win-win-win deal for the Celtics all around. There's no chance that they should or would say no to this deal. Mm -hmm. Flipping to, let's go to Brett and his his thoughts at the Pacers. I'm with you. I don't think this is a deal for the Pacers that would make a a ton of sense with everything they have going out now. I think that's mostly centered around Malcolm Brogdon. You have Malcolm Brogdon for three years, 20 million, combine him with Sabonis. I think that's their cornerstone that they're building from. I think moving on from Oladipo, depending on the return, and obviously Turner, I think, is someone that at some point, whether it's the offseason or during the year, it just feels like there's too much speculation that he's not going to get moved at some point. And I don't think this return for the Pacers does it enough. You know, the Oladipo and Hayward swap out, you're just swapping out one uncertainty for another uh, mm-hmm. with with guys that have been all-stars and all-NBA caliber at one point. So that's kind of, you know, it's kind of a wash. But then when you add in Marcus Smart, once again, you're downgrading from Malcolm Brogdon to Marcus mm-hmm. Smart. And then with Tim Hardaway Jr., he's got one year left on his contract. I feel like that move there, you're then putting yourself in in the room where, you know, that Spider-Man meme where they're looking at each other. I feel like that's kind of him and TJ Warren when they walk in together. You're Mm -hmm. kind of getting two different versions of two quality wings, but where are they bringing you? What level are they they bringing you to? And he could walk away in a year. So potentially if you're the Pacers, you're walking away from this deal one year later with no Hayward, no Hardaway, and you've got Marcus Smart and DeMontis Sabonis as your foundation to then build around. Now, that, yeah. that's not well, a guarantee, but that's a, that's a bleak outlook a year from now from where the Pacers are at. Yeah, and I, I think that if the Pacers were to do this deal, it would be contingent on Hayward signing a long-term extension with them. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, and, and that's, but that's a gamble within itself, and that's kind of the same scenario they're in with Oladipo now where you're you know signing them to an extension. They both have Indiana roots playing you know Indiana at Indiana for Vic. Hayward being from the area playing at Butler, but you're not quite sure of, you know, what their health long-term is, is yep. going to look like at this point, I feel a little bit better about Hayward, which is weird to say. Um, but you know, Oladipo just hasn't, you know, he, it was such a weird season for him to try and come back in with all the breaks and he never really felt like he got his footing. Maybe that changes. And that brings us to the Maverick side of this for this, they're sending out Seth Curry and Tim Hardaway, uh, I talked about really liking Curry as a fit for the Mavericks in their long-term plan now, especially if they're eyeing the Giannis sweepstakes, mm-hmm. this deal, which is, the Mavericks, which is not, no guarantee though. Exactly. And that's why I think this deal would be a risk that would potentially be one that they would take. I didn't think there was enough 
uh, reward for them in the previous trade we talked about with the Mavericks for them to risk sending out Seth Curry with that plan as part of their vision. This here gives you a backup option that doesn't tie up any cap that would take away from Giannis joining your team. But say John Giannis doesn't come, you get a free one-year look at what it looks like to have Luca Oladipo and KP out there. And now you have the inside track on another guy that if he can return to form, potentially helps you create another big three with Luca, KP, and, and Oladipo. And so I think the gamble of sending out a guy like Seth, Tim Hardaway is not going to be in your long-term plans when you're trying to create that cap space. So that's yeah. no worry there. I think the, you know, sending out Seth with the opportunity of finding out what Vic looks like really risk-free uh, for about a year. And then using him as a potential backup plan is something that could make sense for the Mavericks. And so I think this is a deal. I wouldn't say they a hundred percent do, but I think it's something they're really thinking about. Uh, and then there's a lot of upside to it as well. Okay. So give all the, give the Pacers all the picks they want. Yeah. And I think, that, <laughs> but, 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 if, and that's, but I still don't, I still think if I'm the Pacers, it's not a strong enough draft that, I'm at a place where I feel okay about and really it's a Brogdon piece for me. I can't send out Brogdon if I'm the Pacers. I have him on three yeah. years, 20 million. He's too good. He's a borderline all-star. Him and Sabonis, that's the the foundation that I'm most concerned with. If Oladipo returns to form, I'd love to have him in there or if Hayward, if I can sign him either this offseason or next offseason, that's great. But Brogdon and Sabonis with their two deals, their age, their timeline, the way it lines up. I'm happy to operate with them too. And I just think Brogdon's off limits for the Pacers and in, in yeah. these deals. And that's, that's what's the end game there. If you take out Brogdon and you swap it in with somebody else, maybe we're talking, but Brogdon's the deal breaker for the Pacers. I hear you. And I, I agree. I, you know, I, I always wonder what Brogdon's uh, value is around the league. Um, Cause I, I, I think the world of them and, you know, it, I, I think what, the way you just phrased it was, was perfect, man. I just don't think the, the Pacers can give up on that on that um, that dynamic duo of him and Sabonis. But I, at the same time, I don't know if that gets you anywhere in the East. Yeah, and that's that's the tricky part. And if you're a team like the Pacers, you need to keep your options open. And for them, most of the time, that's going to come through the draft. But I don't know if 14 in this draft is something that's going to be as appealing if that pick was was a higher in a different draft or, you know, maybe there's some other picks, some other unprotected picks that make this more appealing that maybe give them that lane to, to pick up another star because they're not going to get a ton of free agents coming that way. Maybe that changes the, the perspective of it. Um, but I think for now, if you can have Brogdon Sabonis. And then depending on what they do with Turner and Oladipo, I think those are going to be the chips that they play with to try and create that, that long-term viability to take that next step. Mm -hmm. um, it, it'll be interesting to see what they do, but I know you have one more variation of this trade. Do yeah. you want to, do you want to yeah, bring that I'll, up? I'll, I'll throw it out there. So, I mean, okay. you, you, and the, once again, the Pacers are getting the same return. Okay. Um, same three teams, Pacers getting the same return. I just wanted to figure out a way to get Chris Tapps Porzingis on the Celtics. <laughs> um, so in this deal, <laughs> the Celtics end up with Porzingis and Brogdon. Okay. So which is an amazing haul. Uh, Pacers get the same return. Hayward, Hardaway, Smart, and whatever picks you want. And then the Mavericks get Oladipo and Turner. So we just switch. Uh, Turner goes from the Celtics to the Mavs, and then Chris Tapps goes to Boston. Yeah. And, and this is one that I think you then put up on Twitter after seeing the reaction. And I think this was the one that people were like, okay, I guess we can give up Marcus for this deal. Right. Which is like, no shit. Are you like, so this is a no brainer for the Celtics. This is the, this is probably the easiest. Yes. Out of, I think out of you, all of you them. mortgage your, your entire future for this. Like you, I would send every pick I ever had to, to make sure we have Porzingis and Brogdon. I, I think this is like, this makes the Celtics the team to beat in the league, not just the East. Yeah. I mean, you would essentially be having a team that's, that's set up with uh, at least for the next couple of years, Kemba, Brogdon, Brown, Tatum, Porzingis, add in the bench of Tice Williams and you can find some other parts. That's like you said, that's, that's a championship level contender yeah. that, that you're working with right there. And so that's, that's a no brainer for sure. For sure. Yeah. And I, I don't think, I, I don't think the Pacers do that. I think the Pacers need, I mean, they're going to need one or both of the Williamses. Um, they're going to need all, like all the Celtics picks this year and next year, they're going to need the Mavericks Mavericks pick this year. You know, they're going to need to have 
a lot more assets than just Hayward, Hardaway yeah. and Smart. Because if you, I mean, if you're the Pacers, you just look over and you're like, wait a minute. Like, why am I not trying to get Porzingis? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's who they would want in a return. And then I think if you look at this from the Mavericks side, I think the Mavericks side is actually somewhat interesting in this deal. Because I thought, I said before, when they were just getting Oladipo, I thought it was pretty attractive and gives them some insurance plans. In this deal, I, you know, I, I just, I think for them, the gamble of Porzingis' health versus the stability that Turner would bring, who actually mm-hmm. I don't think would be a terrible fit, whether if you if you had Luca, you know, once again, their ideal plan is trying to get Giannis. So if you have Luca, Giannis, and Turner, I still think that's a pretty good fit. However, I'm I'd rather gamble with KP's health in this scenario than potentially be left with Oladipo not being who you want as that third member and he walks or you don't want to resign him and then maybe you miss out on Giannis and now you're looking at a Luca and Miles Turner as your two best players that's that's not appealing to me I'd rather have the the upside potential of of KP and hoping that he's healthy uh, over the next couple of years so I, I don't think this is a deal that the Mavericks would be as excited about um that's kind of what do you think about that from the from the Maverick side of things? Just with this deal, mm-hmm. um, I like it, man. I you know I think as I said, I thought Oladipo works well with Luca. I, I just like him as that you know lockdown defender right next to him. Um, I, I think that he's a can be a reliable shooter. Um, he's also someone that you can like run the offense through, so Luca doesn't have to do everything all the time. You know, those non-Luka minutes, I think, are going to be so important for the Mavs over the next couple of years. And Oladipo is one of those guys that you can, you know, entrust to run the offense when Luka's on the bench. And then I, I think you hit the nail on the head with what Turner offers you versus Porzingis. You know, Porzingis, that, those health concerns are, are scary, man. Um, so Tur- Turner, I, I think, works well with Luka. You know, he, he, he does a lot of the same things that Porzingis does on offense, being able to stretch the floor. And, you know, he offers rim protection. Mm-hmm. He's probably a, a better perimeter defender than Porzingis is. Yeah. Maybe not quite the rim protector, even though he's a really good rim protector. Um, so I, I, I like this deal for the Mavs, man. I, I think if you can move forward with Luca Oladipo, Turner, Kleba, and who, who would be their last guy? Uh, I mean, they'd still have Seth Curry in this deal Seth, as well. Yeah, it's um, in Seth Curry, exactly. I, I think that's a, I think that's a pretty good squad, man, to move forward with. And you know, if if it doesn't work out um, with Oladipo, you're probably still going to be able to have the cap space because Oladipo's deal is up to get mm-hmm. Giannis. You know, yeah, they would still have that. It's really, I think, when it comes down to the Turner Porzingis part, it's stability versus upside, and which one do you, you know? Are you gonna are you gonna lean in favor of? Um, I don't know it, that and, that one could go either way. I do see, like I said, I do see the potential for it. Um, but I do think the Mavericks may, may err on the side of, of keeping Porzingis in that. Definitely. And, and this trade is scary for the Celtics on some level, right? Because yeah, you're, you're, getting Bro- you're, get, you're getting Brogdon who's injury prone and Porzingis who's injury prone. So, you know, you know, you might be really fucking yourself if you're the Celtics with that. Yeah, you're committing to it, but I think this this gets back to the point that that I think we need to end this this podcast on and go back to the Twitter to Twitter when you put these trades out there. Can I read and, some of these tweets? Yeah, let's do it. Let's are we gonna do a little overreaction faction here? Yeah, we we gonna need to get an overreaction faction because my God, I I like I wanted to start clicking through and like looking at these people and like researching their backgrounds and figuring out like what they do for work, how old they are, where they are they even from Boston? You know what I mean? Because some of the some of the stuff people are saying, I'm like, you like you're vehemently saying no to all of these trades. Are you crazy? Like this one guy, I, I'm not trying to hate on anybody, but like Crimson Flows, right? So at the Crimson Flows capital letters none you must hate smart because he's included in all of them shake my head no i don't hate smart i love marcus smart i just recognize that we need to get better if we need to win a championship we saw the limitations of marcus smart in the eastern conference finals like we need to get bigger we need to increase our talent pool and we need to like you know be riskier with the players that we take on marcus is so consistent and that's why we love him you know, he's a big reason why we beat the Raptors and we were even in the Eastern Conference Finals. But I don't necessarily know that Marcus is, is untouchable. Like, obviously, I want to exactly. keep, keep Marcus. 
you know, if we can figure out a way to keep Marcus and still get like a really good big man or to still get a Malcolm Brogdon or something like that, like I'm all for keeping Marcus. I'm just saying if maybe these people don't understand how, how like contracts work in trades because Marcus has the most tradable contract on our team. You know, that's why yeah. he's going to be involved in all these trade talks is because he's that guy at 12 million where if you want a good player, they're going to cost some money. So Marcus yeah. is a good player that has a contract that will get you to the number to get that player in return. Like, I'm not value, saying to trade Marcus. It's the value proposition that comes along with it. You have to trade something of value to get value back. You yeah. can't just trade Javante Green and semi Ojale plus a second round pick and then go ahead and get something of value in return. That's just not going to work. And mm-hmm. so if you do want to, like we talked about, there's a lot of change in the East. KD coming back is a huge factor. Complacency is not what's going to take us over the top. We've nope. come up short too many times. There needs to be changes made. And Marcus is a potential way to make that happen. And I yeah. think it's so funny looking at the reactions to, to these trades that you put out on Twitter Especially when, as we talked about throughout these trades, specifically looking at guys like Brogdon and Holiday, I think they're guys that are, you know, not all that dissimilar from the strengths of Marcus Smart, but are upgrades on his biggest weaknesses. I honestly, I feel like people just haven't watched them play. And that might be it. It's it's very like to me, it's very obvious. Malcolm Brogdon and Drew Holiday are huge upgrades over Marcus smart and whatever intangible smart brings like the talent that you're getting in addition to the, you know, the, the very similar skill set that both of those players bring outweighs any heart and soul argument, you know, bleed green shit on Celtics Twitter. Like Marcus is great, but these guys are, they're, they're another level above Marcus smart as overall basketball players. Marcus was a first team defender for a reason drew holiday um i forget who it was so i think it may have been iguodala on a recent podcast said that drew holiday is one of the guys he would put as like an all-time wing defender you know where he said that drew would be in the same class as him scotty pippen Kawhi leonard drew holiday like he was putting drew holiday's name in that conversation that tells you something marcus is a great defender but like marcus has his limitations as a defender as well you know, Drew Holiday, like, doesn't really have any holes in his game. Yeah, and, you know, you talked about the, you know, bleed green, and I think that's real. I think that's, I think Marcus Smart is one of the ultimate fan favorite guys, just how we did the nostalgia pod a couple, yeah, a couple yeah, weeks yeah. ago with Mark. A couple years down the road, if we were to redo that, Marcus Smart is 100% going to be one of those guys that gets drafted very high. He's thought of so highly in all Celtic circles because he's always on the ground. He's the one that gets the mm-hmm. crowd pu- pumped up. And, you know, it's, it's interesting, the reactions to these hypothetical trades, it was, it felt as if it's one of those trades where you're trading out the heart and soul and you're bringing in a diva wide receiver that has more <laughs> talent, but you don't trust him to, to hold up the integrity of the team. Whereas yeah. I look at guys like Brogdon and Holiday, and they have none of those issues. They bring, I think, a higher level of play and more consistency in areas that, that Marcus struggles, which specifically yeah. when I look at, you know, Brogdon shooting splits and holiday for his career has been uh, a more consistent shooter than, than Marcus over the last mm-hmm. two years. They're roughly about the same in that 35% range, uh, but holiday does it on, on fewer attempts and also finds other ways to contribute that I think it elevates his stock more than, than Marcus's. So it's just really interesting to see, Dude, I was, I was shocked versus talent. I was shocked. Honestly, I was shocked to see, like, I've always heard this, you know, I don't get too deep into Celtics Twitter. Like some people do, but like, this is the first time I really felt when people talk about Celtics Twitter, I was like, Oh my God, this, this I'm, I'm in it. I finally found, I, I like, I figured out the password and the password is Marcus smart in a trade. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> you know and there's just i mean i I've, i could read you 20 replies that are just like i would never trade marcus smart for anything it's like all right you guys are just like kind of trolling now like you don't like, yeah that's that's the response you have for jason tatum not not for not for marcus smart there's, exactly. there's a certain with almost everybody that's on your team in a salary cap league there's certain moves that are going to make sense that you do it's when you have those top five to ten guys that they become off limits you know and even a guy like jalen brown who there's very few moves that i think out there would move the needle for you to go ahead and consider moving him it's not 
it's not untouchable to the point there's no discussion, but there's very few that you would actually have that conversation with. Marcus no is not in that category. Love him. He's a role guy. If you can take a role guy, find a way to upgrade. You got to find a way to get over the hump. That's going to be the main goal in this condensed offseason. And it's going to happen quickly, man. It's, it's going to be really interesting to see Dude, if I'm anything pumped. that we've talked about comes to fruition. And it's going to be real quick. And, you know, the offseason that you and I thought we might have not going to be very long. So we're going to, we're no. going to be rolling these podcasts out as, as news starts to break here. I think that's, what's most exciting for me, man. And, you know, I, I know we got to wrap up here, but I'm excited to like continue with the pod, whether we continue under the Celtics noise banner, if we do the rebrand, as we've been discussing, um, I think it's going to be fun just to continue this and uh, hopefully continue to build an audience because we, we really appreciate all the people that have been listening. You know, I don't want to say the number um, of how many people listen per pod, but it's been growing each, each number. And um, hopefully we're going to get to get to a point where we have, you know, what we consider a following. That would be really cool. Yeah, man. Basketball's back. Moves are coming soon. The draft, free agency, all is going to be happening here. Uh, and I'm pumped to break it down with you, man. No doubt, brother. All right. You go enjoy the day and, um, you know, CRV team for life. <laughs> all right, bro. Sounds good. I'll talk to you soon. Peace, bro.